Um, well, Merry Christmas. I'm really excited. Are you? Yeah, we should be. Um, just a few days, and there's so much to anticipate about Christmas, but I would imagine that what most of us are most anticipating are the gifts. Okay, can I just address the elephant in the room? We know that what you're most excited about are the presents. What's under that tree on Christmas morning? I bet there's something that you've really, 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 really wanted, wrote it down on a letter, sent it to Santa, or whatever it is that you do, and you're just fingers crossed in two days. I'm going to rip open that present, and I'm going to get that thing I've wanted. Um, did anyone ask for a light bright by chance? No, no one Mike said maybe. Yeah, maybe I like right. How about a Rubik's Cube? Those are making a little bit of a comeback, I saw. A little bit. Cabbage Patch Dolls. Anyone care about those anymore? Yes, we do. Okay. Furby. And the biggest question I have for our society is how did this ever become popular? I mean, those are just creepy. Those are the things of nightmares. Uh, Zuzu Pets. Did I say that right? Somebody confirm who has kids about 10 years old? Okay. <laughs> Never heard of these. Apparently, they're super popular, though. Super popular. What did you ask for? Somebody brave shouted out. Perfume. Perfume? Okay. This is also husbands, boyfriends. Listen carefully because they're about the hint, okay? Five years younger. At least five years younger. I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, <laughs> So those were actually the Light Bright and the Rubik's Cube, some of the most popular toys um, in the last 50 years. There are obviously there are more that um, I didn't cover, but this year we got our children, Elijah and Oliver, this Mickey Mouse VTech Choo Choo train. Now my kids love this VTech Choo Choo train. It's just it's a little plastic train. There really is nothing significant about it. It goes in a figure eight, but no joke, my son Oliver will sit there and watch that thing for like four or five hours straight until the batteries in the train stop. He will sit there and watch this train going to figure eight. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Disney and that mouse have a great business model. Essentially, they take something that your kids already love, i.e. the choo-choo train made by VTech. And what they do is they put Mickey Mouse's face on it, and then they charge you three times as much as a normal VTech because they know that sons like Oliver and Elijah will love that train even more just because it has that little rodent's face on it, okay? Um, and that's true. My kids are going to love it. I got to actually, before we head out of town, I got to go to Target and buy some batteries. Otherwise, I will be the worst dad in the world when those little generic cheapo batteries that they put in it to begin with run out about 20 minutes into it. Yeah, I'm going to need a lot of batteries. But when I was a kid, I didn't care about VTech choo-choo trains. I don't even know if they were a thing. But what I really wanted to get growing up in the 90s was the Dragon Zord. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Power Rangers? Come on, that was my show. Not just for one year. That was not just a phase. That was like my childhood. And uh, we didn't have a lot growing up. Um, I, we didn't have a, we weren't wealthy. We didn't have a lot of excess, but my parents always made sure they were like, hey, if, if our kids love something, we're going to make sure some way or another that they're going to get it. And so we had all sorts of Power Ranger toys, including the Megazord. So each colored Ranger, blue and red and white, they all got their own Zord, which was like a robot, okay? And they would, they would fight these little bad bad guy monsters, but then the bad guy monsters would blow up and they couldn't do it anymore, so they needed these giant robots to fight. And oh man, it was like the same plot every episode, but it sucked me in every time. 
But the Green Ranger was my absolute favorite. As a matter of fact, if you've been to my house and if you've seen my home office, you know that on my bookshelf sits a Green Ranger action figure, okay? So I'm a 30-year-old man with this toy on my bookshelf. It is still significant to me what it represents. Um, the Dragonzord, though, I really wanted it so bad. And I can remember as a seven-year-old praying at night, God, please, creator of the universe who is good, who loves me, Remember, you love me. I'm not asking for a miracle. I'm not asking to be younger this Christmas. I just want the dragon sword. Please, Lord Jesus, hear me. I remember praying it, and I was like, oh, man, God is definitely going to do this for me. Um, and I remember eagerly waiting for months, and Christmas came. And uh, my parents, they're fun. And what they would do is they would take the present you want the most, and they would, that's the one that was deepest under the tree. That was the one you were going to open up last. And so it was absolutely no surprise that the first present I opened up, it wasn't the Dragon Sword. Of course it wasn't the Dragon Sword. Why would they like lead off with that? It's the grand finale. So with every present I opened that wasn't the Dragon Sword, I got more and more excited. The anticipation rose, the expectation. I'm one away. And then I got to that last present, and it wasn't the Dragon's Sword. Oh, I'm still crushed about it today, honestly. A little bitter about it. But um, you know what? It wasn't just the year that I wanted it. So I thought, well, I've got another 12 months to pray and believe, and maybe mom and dad will come through. And the next year came and went, no Dragon's Sword. Another Christmas came and went, and no Dragon's Sword. And that kept going on and on and on and on. But it never happened. Never got the Dragon's Sword. It just did not happen. I don't remember what presents I got that year, honestly. And that's not a slight to mom and dad if you're watching or listening. Mom and dad did a great job at Christmas. I remember having fun. There were no bad Christmases growing up. But I just remember really wanting that dragon sword. I don't remember anything else that I got. And every year that I didn't get it, I was just crushed. I became a little bit more cynical, a little bit more skeptical, a little less hopeful. And there's no doubt that you have a story just like that. Because that's like truly what it means to be a human in the United States of America around Christmas time. There was that one thing you can remember that you just didn't get as a kid in that anticipation. And, and whether that's the gifts or it's seeing a certain family member that you don't get to see very often. Or I, I found this to be kind of ironic. There's always that food. There's like a dish or a dessert or a punch. And you love it a lot. And yet for some reason we only make it once a year. I mean, it's weird, right? Like green bean casserole. It's like delicious. Why don't we eat this more? But it's only once a year that we do this. And so whatever it is that you're anticipating, um, we, we know what it's like to expect. And that's what Advent is. In the church world, um, Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of expectation um, because we are not the only people who um, are celebrating the birth of Jesus. As a matter of fact, we all are after Jesus. We're hundreds and even thousands of years now after Jesus, but we have to remember that there were people before Jesus. There were people hundreds of years before Jesus. There were people thousands of years before Jesus, and they were waiting. And so that's why in the church world we call this season Advent, because we don't want to forget the expectation of the Savior and of the Messiah. Now, I'm going to move here for a quick moment, because these are sort of Advent candles. If you grew up in the church, you might remember, if you're Lutheran or Catholic, a more liturgical church, you might remember having um, Advent candles. Now, for the rest of us who didn't, and there's nothing wrong if you did or you didn't, but if you didn't, what these candles mean is you light uh, one every Sunday of the Advent series season. There we go. Now, here's something also I'm going to tell you. 
doing a completely normal thing, like lighting candles, but in front of a group of people, no matter how big that group is, it's extremely nerve-wracking. And what you do with these Advent candles is uh, the first week of Advent, you light one, and then the second week of Advent, you light another one, and then the third week, you light one, and then on uh, the week of Christmas Eve, Christmas, you light the pink one. We'll throw a filter on the video for this, okay? So they're supposed to be purple and pink candles, and what they represent is one week each. And uh, again, this goes back, it's the reminder that there were Israelites. There were people who were expecting the Messiah to come and to save them. So it isn't just about getting presents. It isn't just about that favorite meal. It isn't about just getting together with your family. It absolutely can include all of that. But as believers, and I understand that not everyone in the room might be, or we might not be on the same level of that, or we might believe different things, but all of that considered, we have to remember that this is a season of expectation and waiting. Um, Again, for hundreds and thousands of years, the nation of Israel was filled with great anticipation. God had told them there's going to be a Messiah, there's going to be a Savior, this Jesus is going to make all things right again, and they kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And we know, historically speaking, that these, uh, this Jewish people, that they have gone through tremendous hardship. It was one person after another came in and controlled their land. So first they were enslaved by Egypt, and then they were exiled in Babylon. And then uh, even though they got in their own land, by the time we get to the New Testament, we see that they are under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Every single person, every country who's ruling the world has come in at one point and has kicked the Israelites off their land and enslaved them. And as an American, it's really hard for us to kind of imagine what that's like. We're the land of the free. And the Israelites wanted to be free. And they weren't. And it wasn't just that they weren't for a season, but it was that decade after decade and generation after generation, somebody else came in and took that freedom away from them. So you can imagine, it wasn't that they wanted the dragon's sword. It wasn't that they wanted green bean casserole. They just wanted their freedom. They wanted their Messiah, the one that God had promised to come and to make things right. And every generation that came and passed obviously thought that they were the generation that was going to see Jesus. But we know from Genesis and Exodus, and we can get up to uh, the Psalms and Proverbs, and you can read into the prophets and Malachi and Jeremiah, and these people are waiting and waiting and waiting. And as we've talked throughout this whole series, Hope for Everyone, what happens? Expectation leads to anticipation. Anticipation leads to hope. And the more time that goes between each our fears start to grow. Our disappointment starts to grow. And we start to wonder, like, is God even out there? To make matters worse for the Israelites, you may not know, that, know this this morning, there was a 400-year period in which God just went dark. So between the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament, between Malachi and Matthew, there was 400 years where God was pretty much just not speaking to these people anymore. He had been speaking through prophets. He had been speaking through himself and showing himself to people. And then for 400 years, he went dark. Where did God go? That's a question they were asking. What is God doing? Has God forgotten about us? Did God change his mind? And because we're humans, we can understand all of this. Because I think that we all ask those questions. We feel like the Israelites. We had hope. You had lots of hope. At one point, you were going through this life pretty confidently. Like, you had it. You felt like you were owning this life. It was going good. 
But more time has passed, and you've been in a valley or in a dark season, and the valley seems to get deeper, and the darkness seems to get darker, and you're wondering now, is my Savior ever going to save me? Is my Savior ever going to bring me freedom from the darkness or freedom from the valley? So my questions to you this morning are, does God seem distant to you today? Does God feel uninterested Do you feel like God answers the prayers of other people, but not you? And has God's silence made you wonder, is he even out there? And as a result, coming back to our Advent uh, candles here, um, some of us give in, right? And that might have been you. You were burning, and the light was good. But then there was darkness, Um, Some of us, we give up. We give in, we give up, whatever. Um, Others of us settle. Some of us know what it's like to settle. And some of us just walk away. God seems so distant. He's not real. And if he cares about me, he'll chase me. And just like that, hope vanishes. Let's watch a quick video here. I love that, that it's not just about a perspective change. It's not just about being more optimistic and trying to find the good in the situation, but it's about looking back at what God has done in our lives and in the history of humanity and saying, oh, God is good. What else could I hope for? My hope is in God. Now, sometimes all hope is lost, and sometimes all hope just seems lost. And it can be difficult to determine what's real and what isn't real. Our hope is not lost today as believers. On a silent night 2,000 years ago, we read in Luke that there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town. A savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're looking for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. These people were just like you and me. It was a normal Thursday for them. They were just doing their normal job, sheep herding. They were just going through their normal thing with no expectation, no anticipation, and no hope that they would be the generation that would see Jesus. It had been 400 years since God had spoken to them. All hope seemed lost. But if you would have asked them, they would have said all hope was lost. What's real and what seems to be real is very difficult sometimes to tell, but this angel then appears to them and says, I'm here to announce a great and joyful event meant for everybody worldwide. It was an unexpected time in an unexpected place in an unexpected way that God comes back and reveals himself and says, don't forget about the hope that I have promised you. I have not forgotten about you. And God hasn't forgotten about you. And in an unexpected time, in an unexpected place, and in an unexpected way, God is going to remind you what's real and what's not real. And we're going to remember that we have hope in him, not because I'm optimistic but because I'm going to remember that God did not forget about his people. It's easier on this side of Jesus to come hundreds or even thousands of years after him than it would have been to be the 
would have been to be the people before Jesus hundreds or thousands of years. So let's do Christmas differently this year. Let's really have that anticipation and that expectation that we can have hope despite our situation and circumstances, no matter the disappointment I'm dealing with or the fear that I'm facing or wandering around wondering, what is my purpose? Let's remind ourselves that we have hope, not because I'm optimistic and I'm choosing to ignore the bad things. We can be very real about the bad things going on in our lives and we can confront those things, but remind ourselves that because of what God has already done, we have hope. Hope has come because Jesus carries your burdens. Some of you feel that way right now. I have a burden. Jesus has come to carry that. Jesus heals our wounds, not just the physical ones, but the spiritual and emotional ones too. Jesus can restore our joy. Joy that just, we used to be happy and and now we're just sad or angry all the time. Jesus can restore our heart. Jesus gives us power. Jesus forgives us of our sins. Jesus can restore the relationships of the people that you're going to be sitting around at a dinner table with in a couple days, that that relationship is just really damaged right now. But Jesus can make that whole again. Jesus can redeem your pain. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that he goes back in the past and undoes that person or that thing that hurt you. But it means that he can give your pain purpose. Hope has come because Jesus has come. That's the message of Christmas Eve. That's the message of Advent. And this Christmas, the good news is hope has come to rescue all of us. A child has been born, the one that we have been waiting for. Jesus has come bringing hope for every single one of us. So don't give up and don't give in and don't settle and don't walk away because hope has come. And his name is Jesus. He is the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And this week, as we go now, represents that the wait is over. There's no more expectation. There's no more anticipation. There's no more waiting. Jesus is here, and there is hope for everyone.